0: Notable trees dot the landscape all around the world. The lone cypress on the northern California coast sits by itself in the rocks, weathering the storms. The world's largest tree, it's named General Sherman, it grows in the Sequoia National Park. In 1792, a group of freed slaves who fought in the American Revolution, they gathered under the cotton tree in Sierra Leone, to thank God for freedom. And today, that tree stands as a symbol of liberty for West Africans. The major oak in Sherwood Forest was recently named Britain's favorite tree. Legend has it that Robin Hood and his merry men hid out in the hollow of the trunk. And there's a small forest of trees in southern Lebanon, The cedars of God get their name from Psalm 104. Solomon used their timber to build God a temple. And all these trees still stand. But this morning, I want to talk about another tree, more durable, more stately than the ones that I've mentioned. For like the lone cypress, it thrives in desolate conditions. Like the giant sequoia, it's strong and it's tall. Like the cotton tree, it grows in the soil of freedom. Like the oak in Sherwood Forest, it too is a place of refuge. And just like the cedars of Lebanon, its timber can be used to build God a temple. I'm talking about the tree in Psalm chapter 1. It's actually a metaphor It's a picture of the believer in Jesus. For every Christian should, spiritually speaking, be like a tree planted by rivers of water, our roots deepening, our shoots broadening, and our fruits ripening. Surely God wants you and I to be just like this tree. Well, we read about it here in the first three verses of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man Shall prosper this morning I want to share a tremendous vision for our church it is truly terrific I call it triology I don't want to bark at you this morning or pine away on this too much or branch out too fur I don 't Don't want to do that. And I definitely don't want to talk about, talk like a nut, or go out on a limb, or stump any of you. But no one leaves today until you hear, get it, leaves. No one leaves today until you hear that you, your family, and your church are to be like a tree. The psalmist begins, blessed is the man. The Hebrew word translated blessed, it means happy and prosperous. But what makes this term so intriguing is that it's in the plural. A more literal translation of the word would be happy, happy, happy is the man. The person with more blessings than he can handle is like a tree. And God wants all of us to be that person. When you look closely at this metaphor in Psalm 1, you'll see that God has three concerns regarding our lives. The believer's roots, our shoots, and our fruits. As for roots, he wants us positioned properly. As for our shoots, he wants us progressing persistently. And as for fruits, he wants us productive perennially. Healthy believers in Jesus and healthy churches are like this tree planted by the rivers of water. Our last Vision Sunday was in 2013, 10 years ago. And God led me to this passage. I saw in Psalm 1 the purpose and direction for our church. And as I prayed about today, God kept bringing me back to these same verses. For really, our purpose and direction hasn't changed We've been upgraded, as I'll explain later. God still wants us to be bearing fruits and sprouting shoots and sinking roots. Everyone in our church and everyone as our church need to be like a tree planted by the waters. First, I want us to focus on our roots. Let me ask you, where are you sinking your roots in all of life? Proper positioning matters. The success of a business depends on how it positions itself in the marketplace. A politician with a clear message positions himself in the minds of his voters. Of course, in sports, position is all important. The basketball player who gets the rebound isn't necessarily the guy who jumps the highest, but who gets into the best position to get that rebound. And the same is true spiritually. To grow healthy, you have to plant yourself in the right spot. The blessed person makes deliberate decisions to avoid the way of the wicked and to sink his or her roots as well as those of their family beside godly resources and influences. If you haven't noticed, the world that we live in today isn't exactly sympathetic to Christianity. Perk up in the office break room, and the conversation isn't stirring people up to love God. Hang out at the gym or on the street corner, and the chit-chat isn't exactly enhancing purity. This is why the psalmist tells us that the blessed man walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. In other words, he or she lives their lives Carefully, who they listen to, who they linger with, who they laugh at, they pay attention to their influences. Realize this truth. Lives are not shaped by mysterious forces. Lives are shaped by deliberate choices. Let me repeat that. Lives are not shaped by mysterious forces. Lives are shaped by deliberate choices. See, the opinions of the friends you listen to, the people you hang out with, the amusements you're entertained by, all combine to shape the kind of person you'll be. How you position your life and family really does matter. I can be a strong man, but if I stand in a raging current long enough, that river is going to suck me under. Likewise, listen to ungodly counsel. And you'll eventually make ungodly decisions. Entertain yourself with sinful stuff and you'll lose your appetite for what's good and godly. Sit in the seat of the scornful and you'll turn into a cynical person. See, we've all seen a great player on a lousy team. He gets dragged down by bumbling teammates. Whereas a mediocre player on a team full of quality performers excels because his mates elevate his game. Success or failure often depends on the folks surrounding you. And the same is true spiritually. Jesus is at work in every Christian, but where I sink my roots can either undermine or undergird my relationship with the Lord. Smart people properly position themselves to grow. They listen to the right counsel They linger with the right people, and they laugh with folks who are really having fun. Realize, a tree is not a bush or an annual. You know, it's hard to move a tree once it takes root. That's why before you plant, you need to give serious thought to where it belongs. And the same is true of a Christian. Don't just drift with the tides of popularity. Don't just go with the flow. Toilet paper goes with the flow. Not a healthy Christian. A wise person chooses to properly position their life. Author Gordon McDonald, he writes about a woman he met at an AA group. He figured at 21 she'd been a beauty queen, but now at 35 she looked weathered and haggard. She told her story. In the last month, I've slept under bridges, been arrested, raped, and robbed. Through tears, she continued her story. I don't know what to do. I don't want to be homeless anymore. But I can't stop drinking. I just can't stop. I just can't stop. McDonald says that's when an older, rounder gal from the group, sober for a dozen years, put her arm around the newcomer, and she spoke gently. She said, honey, you're going to be okay. You're with us now. We can deal with this together. All you have to do is keep coming. Hear me? Keep on coming. You know, McDonald questioned if this woman would have been accepted at the church he pastored. But I know that's how she would be treated at this church. For I know our stories. Calvary Chapel, Stone Mountain is full of formerly broken people who are being put back together by God's grace. And the healing we've tasted, that's what we like to give out. That's what we serve up. If you're new here, I just want to tell you, you're going to be okay. You just got to keep coming. Sink your roots, and healing will begin. You know, I like this phrase here that the psalmist uses for connecting with other believers. He writes, Planted by the rivers. Have you ever planted a tree? It's messy, isn't it? It's dirty work. You dig a hole, and then you turn over the clay, and then you add some potting soil, and then you nestle the roots down into the soil, and then you pat it all down. And likewise, when people come together with other people, even with Christians, it often gets dirty and messy. There can be misunderstandings and bruised feelings and lots of drama. Oh, and nobody likes drama. But this is what it takes to get planted. you got to learn to love and forgive and accept. See, here's a truth. Either we're growing together or we're probably not growing at all. For according to the Bible, the Christian life is more than just believing. It's also about belonging. I pray you'll sink your roots deeper into this fellowship of believers. Keep on coming. Healthy Christians position themselves properly. But they also progress persistently. Inspect a tree's branches and you'll find shoots, roots, and shoots. Apparently, this tree planted by the river is strong and vibrant and resilient. It never wilts or withers. It's evergreen. This tree avoids periods of dormancy. It's alive year-round. The sap is always flowing. This tree is always growing. Even when the winds howl and the trunk creaks, even when the branches are full of ice and snow, this tree continues to grow. Yes, it goes through its seasons, but it never stops growing. And this is God's desire for you. Not only that you're positioned properly, but that you're also progressing persistently. You know, when we're newly converted to Christ, we're just a little seedling. Our branches aren't strong enough to bear fruit yet. The sap has to rise. The limbs have to grow. See, sinking roots is just the first step. Proper positioning is necessary, but there's more. No one becomes godly just by hanging out with other godly people. Holiness isn't like catching a cold. It's not contagious. You've got to grow your own shoots. Spiritual growth is intentional. If I ask you the question, how tall does a tree grow? You'd probably want more information. What kind of tree? What kind of soil? What type of climate are you talking about? But you know there's an easier answer to that question. How tall does a tree grow? As tall as it can. For everything in nature grows to its maximum potential. Trees and bushes and grass. Wow, does my grass grow. But there's one exception. The one living thing that may or may not grow to its potential is people. For humans choose. And sadly, many choose to be less than God desires them to be. Recall, lives are not shaped by mysterious forces. Lives are shaped by deliberate choices. Have you made spiritual growth your priority? Are you about sprouting shoots? Notice the psalmist here tells us in verse 2. The happy, happy, happy man delights himself in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He's made his hope and his fascination the Word of God. He goes through the Bible and the Bible goes through him. He meditates on it by the light of day and under a lamp at night. Understand, biblical meditation is not the same as Eastern meditation. Rather than put our minds in neutral and repeat rote chants and mantras, the Christian engages his mind. He opens his heart. We mull over what God has said, and His Spirit enlightens our understanding. Christian meditation is like a cow chewing its cud. As we roll the Bible over and over in our minds, God's Spirit reveals its application. And it's this immersion in God's Word that causes us to grow. Psalm 119 verse 9 is my life verse. It says, how can a young man cleanse his way? Notice he speaks of the young man, not the grandma, not the toddler, but the hot-headed teenage boy. That's the toughest nut to crack. He's the one that needs the heavy-duty cleansing. So what's the answer? Verse 9 concludes, by taking heed according to your word. Only the Bible can renew a mind and transform a character and tame a lust and break old habits and create a new outlook and produce sensitivity and spawn self-discipline and refocus priorities and grow a vibrant faith. You know, as your pastor, I could get real fancy and try to draw a crowd with more entertaining services. You know, red meat politics, people like that. Conspiracy theories, I'll throw in a few of those. Emotionally driven worship, prophetic speculation, all draw people's attention. Whereas three chapters in 1 Thessalonians advertised on the marquee doesn't turn a lot of heads. But hey... I'm sick of the shortcuts. I've been walking with Jesus now for 45 years, and I know what it takes for faith to grow. The happy person is he who delights himself in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. Again, spiritual growth is deliberate, and it has a rhythm. It's day and night. Not overnight, but day and night. It takes daily disciplines. You know, when Moses told Israel to take possession of the land of Canaan, he said in Deuteronomy 7 verse 22, your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once. Notice God's promise of victory occurs little by little. Total victory wouldn't occur overnight. And likewise, our spiritual progress is step by step. It's measured over weeks and months and years, not just minutes or days. You know, it tickled me when my kids were younger. They'd wake up, they'd look in the mirror, they'd straighten up their shoulders, and then they would announce proudly, I think I've grown last night. And I'm sure they did. But on a daily basis, that growth was imperceptible. And likewise, spiritual maturity takes time. It requires patience and lots and lots of endurance. Before James Garfield was elected president of the United States, he was the chancellor of Hiram College in Ohio. A friend of Garfield, whose son was enrolled in the university, asked if there was any way that he could speed up his son's education. Well, Garfield replied. He said, sure, But it all depends on what you want to make of your son. When God makes an oak tree, it requires a hundred years. When he produces a squash, it takes only two months. See, solid spiritual growth requires time and consistency. It takes day and night, day and night, day and night. And often we get impatient. Spiritual growth seems oh so slow, but hang in there. You're making progress. Here's a vital principle nothing that doesn't occur daily will ever dominate your life. It's true. It's the day after day that cuts the grooves in our psyche, that forms the habits. Ever hear of the 21 day rule? Supposedly, it takes 21 days for a new activity to become a habit. I don't know if it's 21 days or 101 days, but the point is, don't give up. Stick with it. You don't reap a crop of corn the day after you sow the seed. No, you water and weed and you wait. And in time, it sprouts. There's a hospital diagnosis that sometimes appears on an infant's medical chart. It's the acronym FTT. It means failure to thrive. It means that the baby isn't growing and putting on weight. And this can happen to a Christian. If you don't want your chart in heaven to read, Failure to Thrive, then delight yourself in God's Word. Spiritual muscle and enduring faith are developed by meditating day and night on the Word of God. It's my goal and my prayer that everyone who attends Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain will sink deep roots, then sprout big shoots, and then bear delicious fruit. For healthy followers of Jesus are like this tree here in Psalm 1, positioned properly, progressing persistently, and productive perennially. They bear fruit. You remember Jesus and his disciples, they were once walking through Jerusalem when they noticed a fig tree with no fruit. The tree had a trunk as well as plenty of branches but no leaves no figs go figure and jesus cursed this figless fig tree overnight it shriveled up and died see god didn't make fig trees to fill up with leaves and simply stand tall and look green no fig trees were created for one purpose to produce figs and this is true of christians how many of you have ever eaten a fruitcake? How many of you ever had fruitcake at Christmas time? Raise your hand. How many of you like fruitcake? Whoops. There are a few weird ones out here. <laughs> i got a top 10 list for you this morning. Here are the top 10 ideas for how to recycle leftover fruitcake. <laughs> Number 10, pothole filler. Number nine, shot put. Number eight, speed bump. Number seven, boat anchor. That, fig, that, that fruitcake makes a great boat anchor. Number six, flower press. Number five, bed warmer. Heat to 350 degrees. Number four, ice pack. Freeze for 12 hours. Number three, chopping block. Watch out for breaking your knife. Number two, scratching post for your cat. And the number one use for fruitcake, chalk for a tractor trailer. <laughs> hey, sometimes people also find alternate uses. But a fruitcake was intended to be eaten. And likewise, Christians have an intended purpose. According to verse 3 here, God expects us to bring forth fruit. We're to bear the graces of Jesus, His love and peace and joy and self-control, etc. And we're to do good works to serve others. God's purpose for us is to glorify Him and impact people. He wants our lives to count for Him in time and in eternity. You know, in contrast, the psalmist says the ungodly, the person without God, has no purpose at all. Notice verse 6 puts it, He's like the chaff which the wind drives away. A piece of chaff or a dry leaf on a windy day swirls in the breeze. Oh, it's driven. There's movement. It might appear as if there's progress, but it's not moving in any meaningful direction. You know, folks today, many folks today are just coasting. They take life as it comes, but they're slowly sliding downhill. Once a little girl asked her mom, is God as big as the universe? The mother replied, oh, yes, he is. Bigger. She says, and is Jesus God? Yes, sweetheart, he sure is. And mommy, does Jesus live in our hearts? The mother said, oh, yes, he certainly does. And you could see the tumblers just turning in this little girl's mind. Finally, she concluded, if Jesus is as big as the universe and if he lives in my tiny heart that means you'll see him shining through. And the world's most brilliant theologian couldn't have stated it any better. For when we come to Jesus, he not only begins to live in us, but he also wants to shine through us. Imagine one day, you strolling the streets of heaven, and you bump into a fellow who grabs your hand and starts shaking it profusely. He clears a lump from his throat, And he tells you that you were the one who saved his marriage when you invited him to bring his family to church. Or he was the kid who learned of Jesus because you taught him in Sunday school. Or he was that high-risk teenager who got back on track because you gave an extra offering to send a person to camp. Or he was saved because his pastor came to the conference you worked at and he was encouraged not to give up that pastor. Imagine playing a role in ultimately getting a person to heaven. Can there be any greater thrill? Here's a reason to roll out of bed in the morning. Even iron a shirt. We can touch people and impact eternity. Our purpose here at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain is to show our friends, our community, our world that God is alive and well that the Bible is for today, and that it's cool to be a Christian. I mean, we want folks to know that real love and peace and joy are found in Jesus. God's purpose for us is not just to take up space or to look pretty, but to bear fruit. Our vision at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain is for you to be like a tree planted by the waters. Positioned properly. Progressing persistently and productive perennially. Are you sinking roots and sprouting shoots and bearing fruit? But there's more. For it's not just our goal for you individually to be like a tree, but for all of us collectively as a church to be like a tree planted by the waters. See, add tree to your list of biblical idioms for the church. We are the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, a holy temple, living stones, and we are a tree planted by the river. Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain should be like a tree, and we are. This church is now a 43-year-old tree. Not old for a tree, but not a sapling either. We've had time to sink some deep roots, and we've grown some broad shoots And we've been blessed with some delicious fruit. But here's a question. How tall does a tree grow? Answer, as tall as it can. Which means we're not done yet. If we all catch a common vision and work together, our roots can grow deeper, our shoots can reach wider, and our fruits can multiply in tastier bunches. Do you realize that our church now has roots, deep roots in our community. Deep roots that come with a reputation. I mean, recently I got an invite from one of our local high school principals who invited me to attend a meeting of community pastors. Now I've been to such meetings before, and I always felt like the odd man out. They'd always ask, well, well who are you? What do you, what, what do you pastor again? But not this time. When I went to this meeting recently, I was the senior guy there. I honestly felt like my perspective was not just tolerated, but valued, believe it or not. And it dawned on me as I was leaving that this new respect I felt was the result of the deep roots that our church has sunk in this community. You know, it used to be I'd tell someone I pastor Calvary Chapel, and a quizzical look would settle over their face. Nine times out of ten, they'd ask, what's a Calvary Chapel? But not today. Now they'll say, oh, I've heard of that. Or I know somebody who went there. Or I visited there once. The other day I was at the golf course and a man approached me and asked if I would play in his foursome. He then called me by my name, Pastor Sandy. Well, this man, it turns out, was a kid who attended Calvary Chapel Christian School 15 years ago. Our church is no longer the unknown commodity. We finally sunk some roots. You know, in the early years of our church, the closest Calvary Chapel to us was in upstate New York. So when we heard that Pastor Chuck was speaking at their conference, three of us jumped into James's pickup truck and drove to Rochester to hang out with the Calvary guys. All the way up I 75, we rotated. Two of us would sit in the cab of the pickup truck. While one of us laid on the air mattress that we laid out in the back, in the bed of the trunk. Hey, we were desperate for fellowship. But now, fast forward 40 years, and new Calvary Chapels are starting up around us. Yet today, there is a tree planted by the rivers of water where they can come and find refreshment. Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain is that tree. And desperate brothers now jump in their pickup truck and drive to Lilburn, Georgia no less to tap into our roots. In fact, there's not a week that goes by that someone we don't get a call from some pastor with a need or a question or ask for advice. They call us only because we're the ones with roots. We've been here a while. And whatever it is they're facing, we've probably faced as well. I've heard it over and over. Why should we reinvent the wheel? Just tell us how you guys do it. I say to other pastors all the time, planting a Calvary Chapel for me was two things. It was extremely difficult and it was terribly lonely. Today it's still extremely difficult, perhaps even more so. But it doesn't have to be lonely anymore. For there is a tree now with some strong roots. And I have a long list of pioneer saints to thank for our current position. Believers, when they came to our church, went where no man had gone before. Did you know our first five years we met in a warehouse without central heat? On a morning like this, it would have been chilly in here. We warmed the place with construction blowers. We had about three or four of them spread out around the warehouse. We were filled with the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit and the fumes of kerosene. <laughs> Folks even put up with the long-winded ramblings of a young pastor still learning from his mistakes. All he had going for him was his faithfulness to God's Word. You see, the people who came to Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain in those days did so not because of what it was, but because of what it could be all we had was a vision but we believed and supported that vision and i'm talking to some of you this morning thank you thank you thank you for seeing that vision together we've sunk roots that now has this church strategically positioned to make a vital impact and calvary chapel stone mountain has sprouted shoots Our ministry continues to grow and expand. The Lord is adding to our church and multiplying our ministry both inside and outside of the four walls. I teach at conferences and retreats across the country. Radio stations are adding us to their lineup for free. We're on multiple internet outlets. Pastor James sits on the board of several Calvary chapels and lends his wisdom. Kathy and Allie get invited to ladies' events. Matt is a leader of other worship leaders. Calvary Chapel Christian School this past year had a full enrollment. Ministries for men, women, youth, children, singles, married with kids, free indeed, helping hands, the old farts. Oh, I mean the old folks. They happen regularly. We touch hundreds of lives in meaningful ways every week. It's like the tree tree behind the clubhouse at the Augusta National Golf Course. It's called the Big Oak Tree. It's 150 years old, and its multiple limbs stretch out in all directions. And for one week each year, the golf world all gathers in its shade. Reporters and sports writers and players and coaches and PGA officials, all hobnob, under its branches. And our church is like that big oak tree. For one week in July every year, 500 teenagers from smaller Calvary chapels all over the deep south come to an event unavailable to them at their church. It's funny, wherever I go now, I have adults that come up to me and tell me they attended the youth conference back in, fill in the blank, and their life was changed. Then for a week in September, again, we turn into the big oak tree. Weary pastors come and fellowship and renew their devotion to the Master in the shade of this church. Watch them. They drag in, burned out, but they leave fired up. They're refreshed, mostly, by the way you serve them. It happened again this January when we had a worship conference here. Worship leaders gathered, some even from California. They told us it was the best conference they've attended. It Blew my mind. Calvary chapels began in Southern California. For years, I would go to California to be refreshed. Now, Calvaries from California are coming under our big oak tree to enjoy some refreshment. We sprouted shoots. With the addition of our cabin up on the hill, we're again sprouting new shoots We're hosting cabin conferences, small overnight gatherings for select pastors and assistant pastors and worship leaders, and who knows what other groups of ministry leaders will host in the future. And we continue to grow shoots. Last fall, we bought the Key and Hill property. We hope it'll become a shade tree for young people who want to prepare themselves for ministry. In 1980, I went all the way to Southern California to learn about Calvary Chapel and attend the Bible College. How cool it would be if now we could plant a Calvary Chapel Bible School here in Georgia. We're like a tree stretching out our limbs. Realize every church has a specific calling from God. No matter its size, all churches have limited resources but face unlimited needs and opportunities. Thus, we all need specific vision from God. We need to know our niche. Where to put our time and energy and effort. Some churches major on foreign missions or urban outreach or Christian education. And hey, we want to be active in all those areas. But over the years, God has used our church most effectively to minister to ministries. God has positioned us to encourage other church leaders. And to me, this is exciting. It's exponential ministry. For when we encourage a pastor and his wife, we're ultimately encouraging the entire church that he pastors. Please remember this the next time we host a conference and ask for volunteers. You're not just scooping fried beans and rice and sticking it on the plate or mopping a floor. No, you're helping your church fulfill a very strategic mission. Well, finally, our church is like a tree bearing good fruit. In 1995 we built this building. And one of, in one of our prayer times the Lord gave us a prophecy. It was Haggai chapter 2 verse 9, "The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former," says the Lord of hosts, "and in this place I will give peace." And this building has become a place of peace. You can go look on the back walkway. And you'll see where I etched Haggai 2 verse 9 into the wet cement. For it's proven true. Troubled minds and broken marriages have been healed here. Folks have found love and acceptance and even family here. This church is a tree with healing fruit. As we noted earlier, hurting people who keep on coming get helped here. Sink roots and sprout shoots. And you end up reaping what you sow. You bear fruit. And in so many ways, the reaping for us is now. Many of you made sacrifices to come to Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain when you first attended. At the time, we lacked the activities other churches offered. But you were hungry for God's Word and for God's grace. Our mission was more important to you than your convenience. And so you sunk roots and you grew with us. Now today, as a result, we have a place where our kids and grandkids can be fed and grow and serve. We have a solid place where we can invite our neighbors and know they'll be exposed to a Christianity full of grace and truth. Talk about fruit. Nikki Snipes built up her faith while in our youth group. Now her church supports her family on the mission field. Demetrius and Alyssa Fields attended Calvary Chapel Christian School as kids. Last week, they enrolled their daughter, Tessa, in the same school. Our church is reaping second and third generational fruit, and I think that's super cool. And when it comes to fruit, it's amazing what we've seen the last three years with our finances. In our first 40 years as a church, our largest annual offering came in 2020, during the pandemic. Talk about God's faithfulness. And the annual offerings have only increased since. You know, the other day I was sharing this blessing with a group of pastors when it hit me. I wondered, why now, Lord? What accounts for this sudden increase now? And that's when the Lord spoke to me, Sandy, I'm answering prayers that you prayed 40 years ago. See, it just takes time. But by sinking roots and sprouting shoots, you end up bearing fruit. And this gives me hope for the answer to another prayer that I've been praying for a long, long time now. I want this church to be a model of racial harmony in our city. For too long, various racial groups in our society have focused on their own diversity, And it found it easier and more comfortable just to worship with folks like themselves. Yet for Christians, this is a cop-out. Our unifier, King Jesus, is stronger than any differences we have. I believe our loyalty to Him trumpets our diversity and calls us to unity. Please join me in praying for the unity the gospel makes possible. Well, This morning, we've covered... Some sound triology. We want you to be like a tree. Sinking your roots. Sprouting your shoots. Bearing your fruits. Get yourself positioned where you need to be. Start doing what it takes to grow. And you'll bear fruit that will glorify God. And as a church, we also want to be like a tree. With stable roots with shade-giving shoots, and with spiritual fruits of all kind. We hope you'll join with us and be a strong part of what we all can do together for God. Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning.